Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Last week, we began looking at the life of a Bible character by the name of Joseph because I believe that Joseph's life teaches us a whole lot about our lives. A lot of lessons we can learn by looking at the life of Joseph. How many people ever make a plan? About three people. Okay, I'm just kidding. There's a few more. Raise your hand. (laughs) How often do those plans just happen? Yeah, okay. A lot of times we make plans. A lot of times we have dreams and a vision for the way life's going to be. We got these goals we're going to meet. And then all of a sudden, life happens. Everything's going great, man. But then people hurt us. People let us down. They betray us. Families get torn apart. There's grief. There's heartache. It's life. And man, it's going to happen. It don't matter how many plans you make and how many uh, contingency plans you make, something's going to go a little haywire one point or another. Today we're talking about providence in the pit. I like it when things have the same alliteration, I think the English teacher would tell us. Providence in the pit. So, (laughs) because what we learn, one of the valuable things we learn from the life of Joseph is that when God makes a plan, not, not just us, when God makes a plan, even the worst humans in the world cannot stop that plan from taking place. Even when we're on the way to the palace... And we find ourselves deep down low in the pit. What Satan meant for evil, God uses for good. God takes the hurt that other people bring on us. He takes the different pains that life has. He takes the stress. (laughs) How many knows a little bit about stress? And he takes the heartache. And he turns all of that mess into something good. I'm here to tell you, only God can do that. And I hope and pray that if you don't have God in your life, you will before you leave this morning. Because I don't know how else you do it, to be honest. I'm thankful that there's providence in whatever pit you find yourself in life. I I know I've been in some, and I'd say everybody that's lived a day or two has found themselves in one or two along the way as well. Uh, Joseph, just to give you a little background from last week, in case you weren't here, Joseph begins having these dreams about his life and how his life is going to set him above the lives of his brothers and and his family and his big grand dreams. And guess what? They didn't come true overnight. (laughs) Imagine that. Life happened. Uh, Life went on. I talked to a guy this week, awesome time uh, out visiting this week, sit down talking to a fella, and we were talking about him getting saved and how his life had changed, and we asked, you know, what, what was the greatest factor bringing you to the Lord? He said, man, my wife had to be. Her staying on me and inviting me to church and telling me I need God and telling me I need to get saved. He said this then. He said, you know, she prayed and invited me and stayed on to me for about 30 years. 
And her dream was for me to come to Jesus. And I did a couple of years ago, and I've not been right since. Never been the same. But 30 years, my point is don't let that dream die just because it doesn't immediately happen. Keep praying for that one. Keep inviting that one. Keep talking to them. Don't let the dream die. Trust the one who gave you that dream in the first place. So with the story of Joseph, some time passes, and Jacob's other sons have taken their flocks out to pasture, and Jacob decides that he needs to send somebody to check on those sons. I won't get into all of that, but long story short, they were known to get into some things. So he says, we got to go check on these guys. Instead of me going, I'm going to send Joseph, the one that's going to be taking my place anyway. And he, si he sends Joseph down to a place called Shechem, where they, they're supposed to be. And he's supposed to bring word back to Jacob about how the other brothers are getting along. So Joseph sets out. He can't find them in Shechem. He finds somebody. He tells him, hey, we've seen them going down to Dothan. Get this. Uh, Dothan literally means a place of two wells or two pits. What if Joseph had put all that together? But anyway, he goes down. He finds his brothers. And Genesis 37, 18 picks up and says this. says, they, the brothers saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Oh, look, here comes that dreamer. So now, come on, let's kill him, throw him into one of these pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. They were a little ticked off about Joseph's dreams. There's always going to be people in your life that try to, for whatever reason, stop the dream that God has placed in your heart. You, whatever dream that you, your dream may be for your entire family to come to Christ or to get involved in church or whatever the case may be. There's always going to be people, and sometimes it's going to be family, sometimes it's going to be friends, sometimes it's going to be other Christians that try to put a little water on your fire for the dream that God has placed in your life. But one of the truths of this story, like I said, is that when God makes a plan, God's plan cannot be stopped. Is that not encouraging? Is that not comforting? As Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Wow, there's going to be people, like we said last week, that are jealous. There's going to be people that begin to hate you for whatever reason, but we have to trust in God and his plan for us. Watch how God works this out. Verse 21 says, When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, Let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, Don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. Apparently, Reuben wanted to come back and get Joseph out when nobody was looking and take him back home to dad. And we know how this works out. But of all the people in Joseph's life, of all these brothers, Reuben should have been the one that was the most upset. Reuben was the oldest son of Jacob. He was the one that that Joseph was literally robbing from. He was stealing Reuben's birthright, stealing Reuben's place in the family, stealing his greater portion of the inheritance. And it should have been Reuben that was so mad, but because Reuben loved his father, he wasn't going to let him hurt the boy if he could help it. He wanted to save his life. Now, we talked a little bit about jealousy last week. We talked about how jealousy can damage your relationships 
how jealousy can damage your families. And we've got to learn to see through the jealousy and, and be able to see the effects that it's having on other people. Reuben may have hated his brother Joseph. Deep down, he may have just really hated his guts. He might have wanted to get rid of him like the others. But he loved his father, and because of his love for his father, he said, we've got to do something different here. We've got to look at the big picture and ask, is this decision going to destroy somebody that I really love? Is this going to destroy my family? Is this going to destroy somebody else's family? What's this going to do to the church? If, we, if I choose to be jealous and I choose to be envious, you know what I think? We need to be like Walt Disney, man. Just let it go sometimes. Let it go. I don't know. That's the only line I know from the song. But I think that'll preach. Let it go. Because God has a plan. Look at verse 23. It says, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. And then they took him and they threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. Thank God for that. And they sat down to eat a meal. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. And when I read these verses, every time I went over them this week, I can't help but in my heart feel so bad for Joseph. I mean, they ripped off his beautiful coat, and it's probably getting thrown around the dirt, and then they, they probably beat him up like brothers do, and they throw him down in the bottom of this pit, probably one of the whales there in Dothan. And I just feel so bad for poor little Joseph, the dreamer, the one that's supposed to reign over his brothers, the one that his father loved more than the rest. But they stripped him of his coat, and they dashed whatever dreams he had to pieces, or they tried to. And he finds himself in this pit. Now, at this point, a lot of people will begin to preach about all the various pits that you can find yourself in in life. Oh, pits of depression, and pits of loss, and pits of betrayal, and pits this, and pits that, and hardship, and woo. But really, when you think about it, a pit's really just a pit, isn't it? It don't matter what specific pit you're going through in life. They all feel very similar. And you experience a lot of the same things. Whatever pit you find yourself in, it's just a pit. But here's the thing. We like to think that the pit is such a bad thing. Lord, I can't believe what so-and-so has done to me and thrown me down into this pit. Can you believe the devil's put me into this pit? What if God was the one that puts you in the pit? Think about that. I'm sure if you ask Joseph that morning, it wasn't his plan to find himself in the bottom of this pit by the end of the day. It probably wasn't very comfortable. It probably hurt a lot. It probably, uh, probably hurt a whole lot, not just being betrayed by your brothers, but getting thrown into this pit. But here's the thing. I want you to, to get this. The pit, that pit, might just be the one thing that God sends your way to save your life. <coughs> you ever think about that? Could be the one thing God sends and uses, not just to save your life, but maybe to save your soul. Although that pit looks like a dream killer, it looks like and feels like the biggest hurdle that you've ever experienced in your life. 
Maybe you can't even see a way out. You can't even imagine ever getting out of it, let alone ever getting over it. If you do get out of it, you feel like, man, I'll never be the same if I ever do get out of this pit. But that pit might be the biggest blessing you've ever had in your life. Because God, in his divine providence, put that pit right there where it's at. Think about this. Joseph had went, his brothers had just so happened to leave Shechem where they were supposed to be and went down to Dothan, the place of two wells. Just so happened to be there where there's two wells. Just so happened it was the time of year when at least one of those wells was bone dry and he didn't drown when, when they threw him down into it. Just so happened they were near that well when they decided they were going to kill their brother. And it just so happened that before they did kill him, they looked up and saw this caravan of people going down to Egypt. I don't think, matter of fact, I know, there's no consequent consequences. Yeah, there's consequences. There's no coincidences in our lives. I don't think that God has accidents. <laughs> I don't think God makes mistakes. The devil tries to ruin God's plan. People try to ruin God's plan. But in God's mercy and in God's grace, God does things like sending us whales to keep us from drowning in the bottom of the sea. And we may have to spend three days in the belly of the whale, but God used the whale to get us out of the ocean. God sends us to lion's dens to save us from all of our enemies who are trying to kill us. God sends these slave traders and pits to save us from what would have been certain death in our life. Man, this is good. We've got to ask ourselves, though, do you really trust God in these situations? Do you trust him when you find yourself in the bottom of the pit? Say, okay, Lord, I know you, we've never, I think it's Max, says, Lord, we've never done this before, but I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to praise you in the middle of this pit, in the middle of this storm. Look what happens here. Let's finish out the passage. Verse 26, 26 says, Judah said to his brothers, well, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood. Come on, let, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him for, you know, he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers agreed. And when Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe in many colors to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. In other words, I'm going to die mourning for my son. And his father wept for him. And here's the kicker. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. This is, Moses writes this, and he leaves you a little hint there that God's working something out pretty awesome in Joseph's life. 
The brothers thought they could sell Joseph, and normally in those days, being sold as a slave would have normally just been as good as death, but the fact of the matter is God is very much in control of this story. He's very much in control of Joseph's life, and Joseph was not just sold to anybody. He was sold to Potiphar's house, to the captain of the guards, that way that Joseph could be in just the right place when God needed him to be there. What people intend for evil, we're going to see this at the end of Joseph's life, what people intend for evil, God uses for good. Don't get discouraged when you find yourself in the pit, when you find yourself realizing, man, God, this don't look like the dream that you gave me for my life. This don't feel like what I thought life was going to be like. When you can't see a way out, you've got to remember, God's got this. He has a good and perfect plan. And true faith, this is where we've got to grow up and mature. True faith says, I will trust God in the middle of my pits. <laughs> I will trust God when I, all I can see in that dream is just a shadow of what, what I once thought would be. I trust God because I know there's a purpose in this pit. I know there's a purpose in my pain. I know that there's a purpose even in persecution. There's providence at work in the pit. God had, and here, here, here's why, here's how. I want you to connect the dots. God had to get Joseph to Egypt. He had to get Joseph out of Hebron to Egypt, out of his father's house, into the house of Potiphar, and eventually the house of Pharaoh. He had to get him to Egypt so he could save the lives of the very brothers that betrayed him. So he could save the lives of his chosen people. These 12 brothers would eventually become a great nation. And out of this great nation of Israel would come another savior, another rescuer named Jesus Christ. And if not for Joseph being able to rescue these 12 brothers who would become the family of Jesus Christ, where would our plan of salvation be? Look at the similarities here. Joseph's story is a precursor to Jesus' story. For example, Joseph at the beginning of this story was with his father in Hebron. And Hebron literally means fellowship. He was enjoying the fellowship of his father. And his father realized that his other children could be in need. They've been known to go off track a time or two. And he looks at his son. He says, son, I need you to go and check on and rescue my other children. And the son willingly says, yes, father, I'll go for them. Likewise, Jesus was with his father. Enjoying the fellowship of their relationship in heaven and Father, God looked at Jesus. He said, my children need somebody to go to them. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll go. Joseph's father, Jacob, knew there could be danger. There could be great difficulty. There could be death. And surely Joseph realized this and he went either, either anyway. Jesus knew that when he came into our world, it was going to be tough. There was going to be persecution. There was going to be death. But still, for the sake of the Father's children, he came. Jesus left the glories of heaven in the Father's side and came into our dark world to seek and to save out those which were lost. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Joseph travels the land, and eventually he finds his father's sons. But what happened? They didn't say, hey, Joseph, how you doing, man? 
They didn't welcome him. They didn't receive him. Instead, they plotted to kill him because they could not stand the thought, get this, they could not stand the thought that someday they would bow down before Joseph and acknowledge he was greater than they were. When Jesus Christ came into our world, John 1.11 says, He came unto his own, but his own received him not. Instead, we plotted to kill it. And because, really, they could not stand the thought that one day they would acknowledge that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that every time we confess, Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. When Joseph's brothers had had enough, they determined they'd kill him. They stripped off his coat and they threw him in the pit. Likewise, Jesus was stripped of his robe. He was thrown into the, the pits of the prisons where he was beaten and mocked and spat upon. Joseph's brother Reuben tried to get the brothers to free him. They said, well, let's not take his life. Let's find some middle ground here. Likewise, Pontius Pilate tried to save the life of Jesus. He said, you don't want to kill him. He's not done anything wrong. But instead, what they do? They cried louder, crucify him. Crucify him. Joseph was sold for silver at the price of a slave by his own brother Judah. Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver by one of his own disciples named Judas, a descendant of, guess who? Judah. <laughs> you can't make up this Bible stuff, folks. And, of course, we know Jesus was crucified by those that he came to save. His, his own people tried to take his life. They did take his life, but guess what? They couldn't take it forever. The, they thought they could put him down into that pit, that borrowed tomb of, again, Joseph of Arimathea. But the tomb couldn't even keep him. Death couldn't hold him. Folks, God in his divine providence made a plan to save his children. That's me and you. God, before the foundations of this world, worked it out to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that he could die for our sins on the cross. And ever since that moment, the devil has tried to stop it time and time again, but he cannot stop it. There's no person, there's no prison, there's no pit, there's no devil in hell that can stop God when he wants to save one of his children. Thank you, Lord. Stand with us this morning. <laughs> Stand together. That gets me excited, man. I'm telling you. God has made a plan. And I believe God's plan is to save somebody in this room. I believe God's plan is to save somebody's want that you've been praying for. And because of this providential design that God came up with to Send his son Jesus Christ. That means that anybody here can be saved. All you got to do is welcome his son. Say yes to Jesus. Just accept him. Say, God, I know I've messed up. Would you forgive me, Father? I trust in Jesus Christ. And because of all of this, even for us Christians, whatever pit we find ourselves in, we can have peace knowing that God has this worked out. It may not be what we thought it would be like that God has a greater plan and a greater dream in mind for our lives. We just trust Him. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.